Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Are you ready to get into the Word today? Man, I'm excited. I, I just can't not be excited. I enjoy the Word of the Lord. I enjoy the Holy Spirit that's going to teach us. You know, I'm going to do my absolute best to get out what's in my heart, but I'm thankful that the Master Teacher, the Holy Spirit, He is here. He is in you. He is moving on you. And you'll receive and understand and see things in the Word that you've never seen before as God opens the eyes of our heart. How many is believing that right now? How many knows He's faithful to do that? You ready to make this confession? We're going to say it by faith, amen? We're going to believe where we receive what we confess. Grab your Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. And if pastor was here, he would say, let me hear you say, woo. All right, that was for you, Dad. Praise God. Turn with me to Psalms 23. Psalms chapter 23. You may have heard of this one before. You may have read this psalm before, huh? If I had to guess, I would say that Psalms chapter 23 may be the most well-known, most read passage of Scripture. If I was going to pick one you know, single verse, I'd probably have to say John 3.16. But if I was going to pick a passage in Scripture, I would say this is probably it. And I'm, by, I think I'm in good company because I see a lot of heads nodding yes. I mean, you, you see it on pictures. You see it carved in statues. You see it written on walls. You see it at hospitals. You see it at funeral homes. You see it read at weddings. I mean, all seasons and stages of life. But I want us to look at this real deeply and ask the Lord to apply to our heart wisdom what these words are. Because here's the thing. God will speak to you based on who you are. Now, what do I mean by that? David was a warrior. Of course, King David, he penned this psalm, Psalms 23. He was a warrior. He was a king. He, he stood in the office of a priest. He was a prophet, prophesied on, men, on playing that music and would prophesy of the king to come. But before all that, he was a shepherd. And God revealed to him, to David, himself and his nature through a language that David understood. See, when God speaks to you, it's not a mysterious thing. 
This is good news. Because God doesn't just say, you know, these high lofty things and say, all right, for the next 27 years, you're going to have to figure out what I meant by that. God speaks to you in the language you understand. We see this in the spirit of Paul the Apostle. He said, I am all things to all men so that I might win some. When he goes to Mars Hill where the philosophers are, he philosophizes, if that's even a word. He stands up there and he debates. And they have all these different statues. They were, they were worshipers of all kind of wild religions and everything. And they said, just in case we miss one, let's make a statue and we'll call it the unknown God. And Paul said, I can use that. I can work with that. They already believe in this unknown God. Let me tell you who the unknown God is. Wherever Paul was, he became something to those people so they could understand it. And that's why I just like plain, simple Bible teaching. You know, when people start using $4 words, you know, that's a little bit above my pay grade. If I have to have a Bible and a dictionary to know what you're telling me about Jesus, it may be a little bit above my understanding. But when I see Jesus, he'll, you see it in the Gospels all the time, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a seed. He's talking to farmers. The kingdom of heaven is like a little woman who loses a coin. Well, we all, you know, everyone's got money. It's like you lost something precious. And so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this and that. He talks to you in a language you understand. And that's what's happening here in Psalms 23. And this is what I want us to see, that the Lord truly is your shepherd. And when we leave today, my goal is this, that the Lord will make that idea so vibrant and big and explosive in our spirit and our heart. We'll never doubt it. We'll have faith in it. And we'll understand it and live from a place that the living God, the Almighty One, is leading me, guiding me, caring for me, protecting me, and bringing me into a prosperous place. Psalms 23, verse 1. Let's read it. We've talked about it. Let's read it. Or at least I've talked about it. Psalms 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Someone say amen to that. Hallelujah. That's powerful. I want you to see this. In the first, very, very, very first opening sentence of this, the Lord is my shepherd. Won't you make that personal? Say, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice that. David, a shepherd, he is speaking, this entire psalm is not speaking a shepherd talking about a shepherd. This entire psalm is David placing himself as the, in the position of a sheep, being shepherded by the chief shepherd, the good shepherd the great shepherd. And in this first point he makes, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Before we go anywhere or go any further, 
you have to always start at that place. The Lord, He's my Lord. See, the faith in Christ Jesus only works and carries power when it's personal. It's a dangerous thing to lean on someone else's relationship on God for you. In fact, we can't really receive what God wants us to have just relying on everyone else's prayer life, walk with God. We've got to have our own walk. We've got to have our own prayer life. We've got to have our own faith in Christ. I can't get saved on your behalf, and you can't get saved on my behalf. There's some religions, they get baptized on the behalf of other people, right? Mm, can't do that. You have to know Jesus as your Lord. And it's much more than just a, well, yeah, I get it. You know, I was, I'm saved. I get it. Jesus is my Lord. No, no, no. I live with Him. I abide in Christ. Where He dwells, I dwell. He is seated in heavenly places. Spiritually, I am seated in heavenly places. In fact, I can be no more closer to Him than right now than I am right now. Even when you die and go to heaven? Yes. Because I have already have a covenant with Him. And the only degree that, is, that limits His presence in my life is me drawing close to Him. Because the Bible says, if we draw close to Him, He will draw close to us. The Lord is my shepherd. Look at this, John 10. If you want to mark Psalms 23, I'm just going to work through all these verses this morning as we hit some of these high points. But John chapter 10, verse 27, in this understanding that I know my shepherd, and my shepherd knows me. John chapter 10, verse 27. One short, powerful statement that Jesus says here, which is interesting because John chapter 10 Jesus is talking how he is the true shepherd. See, John chapter 10 is the New Testament version of Psalms 23. And in verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When the Lord is your shepherd, you know his voice. And that is the difference in life and death. Because if you follow the wrong voice, you'll go the wrong path. Narrow is the way and straight is the gate. That leads unto life eternal. If you want to get where God's at, you've got to follow His directions. You've got to hear His voice. And David, a shepherd, he knows something about sheep. In the Middle East, even today, not just back then, but even today, where there are things called sheepfolds, if you can imagine, you see that herd of sheep there on the, on the screen. If, they're, if the shepherds are driving them back to the sheepfold, a sheepfold is like a giant rectangle. It could be a circle, but a lot of them are rectangles. And it stacks stones, the stones that are stacked on top of one another, about six, eight foot high. And there's one small opening, just wide enough for the sheep to go through. And several shepherds of different herds may use the same sheepfold they may use the same pen. And so they'll drive all their sheep in there, even though some of these sheep is part of this guy's flock and the rest of these sheep are this guy's flock and maybe a third flock by another shepherd. Well, you say, well, how do they separate them? Because they'll drive them in the sheepfold at night and then the next day when they need to go eat, they'll call out the sheep and go graze and pasture. Well, you say, how do they know it? Because you don't brand sheep. Sheep are fragile. You don't brand sheep. 
What do they do? The shepherd walks up to that small, narrow door at the sheepfold and calls them. And those sheep know his voice. My father-in-law's got sheep. As long as I've dated and now married to Laura, of course, for years he's always had sheep and goats. And they're very different. I know Jesse's had both as well. Sheep and goats are very different. Goats, they don't come whether you call them, beat them, drag them. They don't do nothing. And if there is a hole, they find it in the fence. If there ain't a hole, they make one. But what's interesting about sheep is I could call those sheep, here's sheep, here's sheep, you know, whatever. They won't come to me. In fact, when, they sh- when, when my father-in-law's sheep and his pastor hear my voice, they run. They go the opposite way. And it's not just me, anyone's voice. But he doesn't even have to call them. He can be talking to me. And when they hear the tone of his voice, they come. Because that voice is the voice of the one that brings food, brings medicine, protects them, keeps them clean from briars and thistles and things that get hung up in their wool. The Lord's your shepherd, which means you don't have to doubt whether you hear him or not. It's a divine covenant right of a child of God to hear the voice of God. You don't have to say, well, maybe one day I'll know his voice. No, when he calls, your spirit comes alive. Now, you can know his voice better today than yesterday. As you spend time in prayer, as you study his word, as you continue to hear good teaching and preaching, you get more and more familiar with his voice. Now notice this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or you could say, I shall not lack. Now, I, wanna, I want you to see this as well. Jesus, when he came, he brought redemption. Amen? He redeemed you from sin, the curse of sin, and all the destruction sin brought. In fact, you could actually categorize it into seven... Make sure I put up the right numbers so people think I can count. Went to school a long time to be able to count. Seven. He redeems you in seven different ways. And in fact, God gives himself a name for each one of those areas of redemption. Well, the Lord is my shepherd is Jehovah Roha. So God reveals to himself, I am your shepherd. In Psalms 100 verse 3, he said, I'm the Lord your God. I've made you. You didn't make yourself. You were the people of my pasture, the sheep of my pasture. I am your shepherd. Now, I want you to see this. All all those points of redemption, the second point of redemption I want you to see is this, that when Jesus brought salvation into the earth, not only did he become your shepherd, but he provided for you all that you have need of. You probably know this one very familiar, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God that provides. Well, right there in the first verse, he declares, You are my shepherd, God, and I shall not lack anything. I don't have want for anything. You know, when I was younger, when I was a younger boy, Laura always thinks that's funny because she said, Well, you still are a boy. I said, No, I'm a man now, baby. When I say I was a younger boy, I mean when I was young and a boy, I'm a man. Come on now. But when I would hear that, hmm. God, I'm sorry, because I, I, I want some Legos. I would like to have some, you know, more cat pistols because there's a lot of bad guys that I got to get because I'm the sheriff around these towns. I would dress up like a cowboy. 
and then later on into army stuff. And there's bad guys, and I would like to have some more caps to put in my pistols. I do want those things because I didn't understand. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I thought, oh, I can't want something. Hmm, that's not very fun. But what it truly means is God so well takes care of you. He provides for you so perfectly that you have all your needs met, all your desires fulfilled, that there is nothing else you want that you don't have access to. You become satisfied. God is so perfect in His provision. And it's not just money, though it does encompass that. Some people can get so religious that they, you know, they're no earthly good, as the saying goes. Well, bless God, how many knows He's going to meet our needs over there? Well, I know He's going to meet my needs over there, but right now Duke Power wants their money for this month's bill. And I need some needs met now in Jesus' name. God knows what you have need of even before you ask. He is perfect in provision. Look at this, Psalms 34. Psalms 34 verse 9. This is, this is a powerful prayer promise. I told Laura, I, say, I, I listen back to myself when I'm teaching and doing the podcast, and I say the word powerful so much, but I don't know another good word. I'm going to have to get a thesaurus and find some synonyms for the word powerful because I say that so often, but it really is. Psalms 34, verse 9. It's life-changing. There we go. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want. There is no lack to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. Think about that. What is characteristic of a young lion? Full of strength. Full of vigor. The fastest a lion will ever be is when it's in its youth. The most strength a lion will ever have is in its youth. And even at the best of their ability, at the height of their strength and speed and fierceness, even then, sometimes they miss the antelope and it gets away. And that antelope has another day to live, like you see on National Geographic. Mom always, she didn't like watching National Geographic with me because she know if the gazelle got away once, it wasn't going to happen again after the commercial break. Because some of us want to see them get that gazelle. We, we, I cheer for the lions too. But notice this. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The Amplified Version reads verse 10 like this. The young lions lack food and suffer hunger. But they who seek, inquire of, and require the Lord by right of their need and on the authority of His word, none of them shall lack any beneficial thing. Any beneficial thing. Well, you know, sometimes the Lord gives you something and and it brings a little bit of hurt to you. No, He's not an abusive father. Well, you know, sometimes the Lord will do something just to teach you. He teaches through His Word. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there's not one person in this church today right now that would not, you would of course call the police, but you probably would beat me first before you called the police and then call an ambulance as well if I were to teach my daughter that a stove is hot by pushing her hand onto a hot stove eye. That's abusive. What do you do when, when a little child's reaching out to hurt themselves? You, you catch them real quick. No, 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 no. You may even apply a little bit of pain through discipline, 
but you do not allow their destruction to come to pass. Not a good father. And the greatest father you have is the, your God in heaven, is your father in heaven. And when you set your face to seek him, that's such a powerful statement. There I go again. That's such a powerful and intense statement. Those that fear the Lord. That means everything I am, spirit, soul, and body, is turned toward the things of God. I'm not living this life of walking with Christ half-heartedly. Those are not the people that receive from God. A little bit in, a little bit out. That's what James said in James chapter 1, is the doubtful mind that will receive nothing from God. Because when he asked of God, he said, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't, I don't really know. He's like the waves of the sea coming in and out. In and out, unstable in all his ways. But when you seek the face of God, you can say, my God is my shepherd, and I will lack for nothing. Well, what about inflation? My God is my shepherd, and I will lack for nothing. Why I keep bringing that up? Because 24-7, everyone's talking about inflation, inflation. Are prices really going up? They sure are. I'm not making light of it. But I don't think God's computing on His heavenly calculator. Oh, goodness, if it goes up 7 more percent, we're going to bankrupt heaven. Oh, my goodness. If gas goes up, praise God, I'm going to keep filling up. Why? Because my God's bigger than a full tank of gas. If he can't fill up the tank of gas or fuel you have for your car, how's he going to get you to heaven? If you can't get down the road with enough fuel, how's he going to make that heavenly trip? Think about it. We will have faith in some powerful supernatural things. Oh, I believe God will send a revival and shake this nation, which he is. And we'll be a part of it in Jesus' name. But he can't fill up my gas tank? Mm, no, 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 no. I believe if you ask God who provides so perfectly, he'll give you not just money. He'll give you ideas, skills, talents to where you will be a blessing to your family and those around you, that you will become a creative engine of prosperity because that's more powerful than just someone cutting you a check. I don't want just someone to give me something. I want to know how they got it so I can get it every time I need it. Notice this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Where is God leading you? He's leading you to green pastures, still waters. He is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord God, your peace. Now, why can we say that He is the God of peace from reading that portion of Scripture? Well, again, sheep, they're very, very timid animals. If you've ever been around sheep, they're extremely timid. You can spook them. Now, these aren't sheep. Uh, you ever have fainting goats, Jesse? Did you ever have any of those? Mr. My father-in-law had fainting goats. And they were funny because when you run up on the goats, they just have this tendency. Anyone ever seen those fainting goats? You run up to them and they just block up and then fall over. It's, a, it's crazy because they say it's a defense mechanism. But to me, that just looks like fast food. I mean, if they just stop and fall over, what predator are going to say? Lord, we thank you for this food. We pray you bless it in Jesus' name and dig in. It's funny. But sheep, the moment they get startled, they run. Sheep 
won't lay down unless they feel perfectly safe. They will not lay down until they feel there is no predators, that everything they need, right? Where, where do we get that saying? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. We get it from sheep. Because they'll see their grass and they think, that's, that's pretty good, but that looks a little bit better over there. I wonder if I can squeeze through that tiny hole. They get halfway through and then they're, meh, meh, meh. I need to get Naomi. She's very good at doing her sheep noises. And they'll be stuck for hours on end until that shepherd pulls them out and say, mm, you thought what I was giving you wasn't perfect. You thought you could get something in your own strength and you got stuck. But when you rest in Christ, you have a peace that passeth understanding. What does that mean? I ministered Friday to a very, very precious family at a memorial service. And I read that portion of Scripture to them and people that were so kind and loving to show their support to them. And I made this point because I'm, I'm just plain. I'm simple. I'm, I'm not, you know, I got no frills. And I just put it straight to him. I said, I'm not saying this because it sounds good. I'm not saying this because it's a religious cliche. I'm not trying to come up with a hallmark quote. I'm saying this because I've experienced that the God I serve will give you a peace that can't be shaken by this world. That's what it means to have a peace that passeth understanding. Even if my natural mind can't give me an answer to a question, I'm still not fretting or fearful. Because my shepherd has brought me to a place of prosperity and peace. Because I am, as the New Testament said, hid in Christ. There are no predators that can get me. I'm in the good pasture. Ezekiel 34, let me read this to you. Ezekiel 34, 14 says this, I will feed them in a good pasture. Ezekiel 34, God is speaking by the Spirit of the Lord through Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is rebuking the backslidden shepherds in Israel during their time of captivity. And I'll be honest with you, uh, there needs to be a cleansing of people who call themselves pastor and minister in this nation. And it's not because I think I've got it all figured out and they disagree with me. There are men and women who stand in pulpits carrying not the anointing, but sin. Openly, defiantly, boast about it. And what do I say? Only what's right. Lord, may they repent quickly. And if they harden their heart and refuse to repent, remove them even quicker. It's one thing for one man or woman to be judged. It's another for a congregation, a church, or a nation to be judged with them. You've got to get the cancer out, the sin out. And that's what God's saying. And He says, this is what you're doing. The sheep aren't being fed. When they're sick, you're not healing them. When they're broken, you're not fixing them. When they run off and go into the high places of the mountains, you don't do like what Jesus did. Leave the 99 to go get the one and bring it back. You just let them go out and they suffer. And all the while, you're ruthless and you kill them and eat them. And you use their wool and they're starving and dying. And God said, I am a true shepherd. And what will I do for my people? I will feed them. Ezekiel 34, 14. I'll feed them in a good pasture. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. 
They, they shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, says the Lord God. Turn to John seven thirty seven. I want you to see this. John 7, verse 37. John 7, verse 37. Jesus, he really knows how to upset a, a big banquet and party. He's there at this feast and time of religious celebration. And he decides, well, since we've got everyone here, let's tell them the truth. Let's preach some word. In John seven thirty seven, he makes this powerful promise. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Your shepherd will make you lie down in green pastures and lead you beside still waters. As a Christian, the still waters, the place of peace, is the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I remember when evangelist Danny Johnson years ago put his hand on my belly and he said that, and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Peace isn't something you're trying to get. Peace is, nothing, is not something you're allowed to have if everything's going well in the world. Peace is the presence of God living, dwelling, and flowing in you. I heard one minister say it this way. In the world, peace is the absence of conflict. But in the kingdom, peace is within conflict and it's not removed by conflict because we have a peace that stays with us and keeps us. Now notice Psalms 23, verse 3, as we're just working our way through this. Psalms 23, 3. I told you that Jesus redeemed us in seven different ways. Verse 3, the first part of verse 3 says this, He restores my soul. Would you do this? Would you say out loud? Would you say, He restores my soul. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord God your healer. God is the God of restoration. God is the God who will bring back to you what the devil stolen. When David, I think it's 1 Samuel 30, 31, he's going out, he's fighting the Philistines, he's doing what King Saul should have been doing, but he was a backslidden king, and he's out doing the work of the Lord, he's fighting for the nation of Israel, He's getting that promised land that they've been trying to get for five, six, seven hundred years and they've been slow to get it and David's the man that does it. And when they come back to the city that they had makeshift, him and his 600 mighty men, Ziklag, they find all the houses burned, all their wives and children kidnapped. And all the men are distraught. And in fact, so upset and angry, they think, David, this man we honor and care for, he's responsible for it. Let's kill him. Let's take out our anger on him. And, God, and David goes before the Lord and he says, Lord, should I pursue the enemy? And God says, yes, pursue the enemy. You won't die. In fact, none of your wives, your children, your livestock, anything they've stolen, they will not die. You will destroy the enemy and bring back 
what the enemy has stolen. What does it mean that God's your healer? He makes what is broken. Let's talk about the body. He makes what is a deficiency or a deficit in the body, restores it back to its divine design. I've prayed that prayer so many times, and I can't find necessarily a scripture where it says that phrase, but I will pray that so often. Lord, whether it's for me or someone else, in Jesus' name, bring this back to its divine design. I want this in my body. It's not working the way it should. It's not working the way you made it to work. So in Jesus' name, by your healing power, by the stripes of Christ that bear witness of my healing, restore unto me health and bring it back to its divine design. Back to the place that it should be. Look at this. Jeremiah, there's two places I want you to see in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast saying, This is Zion, no one seeks her. People can write you off. You can get a diagnosis incurable. But even if those people have written you off, by natural understanding, by natural, you know, we're talking about healing in the body, medicinal understanding, they can say, we can't do anything for you. And God's reply to you is, I'll restore your health. I will heal you. Because what man cannot do, God has a specialty in performing. Really, in fact, that's, that's faith. You get to a point where you say, Lord, I need you to do this in my life. I'm not going to rest on the hand of man. Lord, you're my shepherd. And just like a sheep in the pasture or a flock of a shepherd, if it gets cut or if it gets busted up or a limb's broken or something, the shepherd comes and tends to that individual sheep. He doesn't say, well, I've got 2,000 sheep. One dies, it'll be all right. No, a good shepherd says, I'm going to take care of the one and mend it and heal it. Jeremiah 17, 14. This is a song. There, I mean, there's music in this. Jeremiah 17, 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Healing was brought in with salvation. I say it this way. Jesus made a pit stop at the whipping post on the way to pay the price for your salvation. He stopped at the whipping post to receive stripes on His back for your healing. So that when he brought salvation, coming with it was the atoning work of Christ, the healing work of Christ. Now notice this, Psalms 23, 3, as we keep moving along. He leads me, he restores my soul, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. For whose sake? His namesake. Jehovah Sakunu, the Lord God, your righteousness. Christ came the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep, came so that you could be saved. And when you're saved, you're not just freed from sin, you're cleansed of it. You're made a new creation. You're no longer, though it may sound good, religious, oh, it don't just sound so holy, bless God, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, that sinner is dead in the grave, crucified with Christ, Romans 5. 
dying with Christ, buried with Christ, so that you're raised unto new life with Christ. So that even as Paul said, for if I live, is Christ. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. So as I'm living, I'm living by the life of Christ. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in the right path. You don't have to second guess God's wisdom. If God has declared something in His Word, or you get a direction by the Holy Spirit in your heart, you don't second guess it, you double down on it, and you go full steam ahead. Because what He's leading you to do is the right path. He's not going to lead you astray. He will not lead you in paths of destruction. Isaiah 30, 21 says, When you're going and you're traveling and you're sojourning, you will hear from behind, This is the way. Walk in it. Turn to the right. Now turn to the left. Heavenly GPS. The Holy Spirit. Leading you. Directing your path. What does that look like in real life? Being at the right place at the right time. What does that look like? I just drove past where they had that massive wreck. There were seven cars. And I I was just there 20 seconds before it happened. Deliverance. The paths of righteousness lead unto life. It's for His name's sake. He does it for His glory. Think about that. It's not just He does love you. And He does do great and mighty things toward us because He loves us. But He does it for His name. Which means, you don't have to say, well, you don't have to prove to God, Lord, I've done all these things for you, will you do it for me? God says, I want to show everyone around you who I really am by working in your life, by directing your path into the paths of righteousness, at directing your feet, directing your footsteps. Psalms 5.8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. There are some people, Satan obviously, and then people who align themselves with Satan. There's people that do that, amen? There are people who work overtime for Satan because they choose to. They can choose just like you to serve Jesus. And we pray and we pray and pray and intercede and stand in the gap that they would come into the marvelous light of Christ Jesus. But there are some people... hmm, past two years, that you found out all the mayors, governors, presidents, prime ministers that hate the church. We cannot have church now. No, it'd be far too dangerous. It's for public health. Two days later, local prime minister seen in strip club after he ordered the church not to go. I don't know about you, but the strip club, that'll hurt your health and your marriage. Local mayor found vacationing seven states away on the beach after he made an order, everyone must stay home for public health. (laughs) Rules for thee, not for me. That's what the wicked do. But they are being unseated left and right because any hand that stretches itself against the church, God will crush it. Why don't he do it immediately? He's merciful. He gives them time to repent. One of my favorite things to pray, and you might think, wow, AJ, that's a little rough, is Acts 13. The first verse, it says, Herod was persecuting the church, hurting the church. And then at the end of that chapter, it says, Herod goes and makes a big speech, and the people say, oh, wow, you're not a man, you're a God. That was so perfect. Oh, wow. You know, kissing up. 
And then it said, and then Herod died being eaten up by worms. You think, well, that's one of you like praying that, AJ? Yes. Yes. Far better. I'm telling you, this is, this is Bible truth. Far better for someone who has hardened their heart against the things of God for one to be judged than a nation. Look through history. What if Adolf Hitler was judged before he led a conglomerate of nations and murdered six million plus Jewish people and then millions of other people because they didn't fit into his racist scheme that he declared was right because he found certain passages in the Bible and he's right after all. You got to dig way down in there, but it's in there. Those are those chimney scriptures. Where are they? They're way up there. If you dig around, you'll find it. Lead me in the paths of righteousness because of my enemies. Make my way straight before my face. You don't have to walk in the dark. You don't have to walk blindly. He'll, he'll instruct you. He'll show you the way to go. He'll show you the way to go. Now let's keep moving. Psalms 24, excuse me, 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now you've got to turn. If you've not turned anywhere else, turn here. Look at this. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Jesus redeems you through the power of His sacrifice so that you don't have to be separated from God. In fact, God says, I am Jehovah Shammah. I am the ever-present one. I am the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. Even though you may be in the valley of the shadow of death. Have you ever noticed that? It's not the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. When shepherds move sheep, especially through Israel, which is where David was tending the flocks of his father... There's hills and mountains and valleys all through. In fact, it's called the Judean hills. And it would be like you're going up toward North Carolina. Foothills and hills and valleys, hills and valleys. Well, when you're moving sheep up to the high places, which is where the most, the best vegetation is, up in the high places, on the mountaintops, you're going to go through a valley and you've got to come back up. That's the easiest way for sheep to pass is through that valley side and work up through the real slow climb up the hill to get to the top where the best vegetation is. But in doing that, when you get in the valley, the mountain overshadows you. It's not that the sun has set. It's just the crest of the mountain doesn't let the light in the valley. And the sheep can get spooked. Not because there is danger, but there's the appearance of danger. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Don't rehearse what you see with your natural eyes. That's the appearance of death. That's the shadow. That's in a place right now, it don't look good. But I'm not going to go before God and say, God, it don't look good. I'm going to say, I fear no evil. Because I know you've not left me. Notice this, Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covenants. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, for his namesake, he said, I'll never leave you. 
nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord's my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can the... What can the devils and demons of hell, a fallen loser kingdom, do to me? What can any person on the earth motivated by wickedness do to me? Even if they try to hurt and harm me, God will turn it for my good. And I will not fear even though there be the appearance of death overshadowing me. I will say in the valley... I fear not, for my God is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He, well, what if they come out with 78 more different variants? I fear not, my God protects me. What if they come out with 32 more uh, genders on top of the 93? I fear not, because my God protects me and my children, and they will not be contaminated by wickedness. Because just as God has put a path of righteousness for me, He has it for my children, my household. I'm not going to fear because of what I see. I'm going to confess what I believe. My God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Fear has no place. Say this. Say, fear Fear. has no place. place. Don't make decisions based on the shadow. Shadows change. Shadows move. Don't make decisions based on what the world says. What they say today, they'll decide it's different tomorrow. Amen. I know one fellow who makes more money in the federal government than any other person. And one day he said, don't wear a mask. They don't work. The next day he says, wear a mask. You need to. Then he said, well, if you wear these kind of does. Then he said, maybe you should social distance. Maybe you shouldn't. Every other day he has a new word. And he gets more money than anyone in the whole federal government. Are they taking applications? Because I can say something different every day. Amen. And I'll tithe it. Praise God. Don't make decisions based on what the world says. The men who make rules today will be dead and gone tomorrow. But the God you serve who has spoken and speaks now, He won't change. He ain't going to change. He don't need to change. He's perfect in all His ways. Psalms 23, 5. We're finishing up. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jehovah Nisi, the God, your victory. You don't have to have the victory. You know, you don't get the victory because you say, well, once there's no fighting, I've now won. That's not how God does it. God says, in the midst of the battle, you've already won it. Because, as he said to Moses, I, stand and see the day of your salvation. I will fight your battles. I We'll fight your battles. So what does God do? He doesn't say, we got to make sure all the enemies, all the predators of these sheep, all the lions, the wolves, the cougars, everything that live in the mountains and these hills that want to come make these sheep supper. we got to get rid of them all first. No, 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 no. The shepherd says, go ahead and eat. I've prepared a table for you. 
I've brought you to this green pasture. Have no fear. Dine and see the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see that I'm good. And fear not about the predators or those around you because I'm not letting them come near you. I have given you the victory. This is real life. That's real life. It doesn't matter what I see, what I hear. I'm victorious because Christ bought the victory with His blood. And for me to lose would mean there's one greater than Christ. And I ain't found them yet. When there's someone greater than my God, then we can say, well, we've lost the battle. But as long as He is enthroned above every God and above every Lord and above every king and every principality and every power and every demonic force that He made an open show and mockery of, I've got the victory. I've got the victory. It's like Dr. Fred Price of Blessed Memory. He said, if some people ask me, how long you fight the good fight of faith? Till I win it, baby. We'll keep fighting it. We'll fight till the lights go out. We'll fight through the night. We'll fight till tomorrow, through the weekend. But I know this, I'm going to win. Because the victory's been bought. The victory's been paid for. So what am I going to do when I see enemies rise up? Give me another piece of that fried chicken. My table is prepared. Come on, pass the sides one more time. I know I don't need it, but I'm dining in the presence of my enemy. Hallelujah. Only time I want to be called fat is when the Bible says I'll make you fat, make you prosperous. But thanks be to God, which gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 15, 57, the next verse it says, So therefore, be steadfast. If you've got the victory, don't fall back. If you've won the battle, don't run. Verse 5 of Psalms 23, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You want your cup to run over? Get your thinking anointed. Get your mind under the will of God. You know, I shared this that, that Friday. I was sharing to a lot of precious people. And I said this, and it's true, because I heard my father say it. Your, your life is not what the world makes it. Your life is what goes on up here. What you allow to inhabit in your mind will create the world you live in. That's, that's, why, you, that's why you've said it. I'm not going to tattletale on you, but that's why you've met some people. You say, they are crazy. Because the information up here is crazy. What does the Bible say? Philippians 4.8. Think on these things. Whatever's true, whatever's holy, whatever's just, what's noble, what's right, if it's praiseworthy, if it's a good report, think on these things and then the God of peace will dwell in you, live in you, flow through you. Sheep, they, they, they're tormented in the summertime by flies. And these, there's certain kind of flies that will live in their nostrils. That's terrible. They'll drop eggs in there, and those, those larvae and those flies will get up in there. I know it's gross, isn't it? And it will get up in their nostril, and they will become so agitated and irritated. They'll hit trees. They'll brush up on stuff because they can't stop the agitation and the pain. Some will even kill themselves to get free from it. Not an outward thing. 
It was an inward thing. Now, what do shepherds do to prevent that? They take this mixture of oil and spices and tar, and they smear it all over their face. And that oil prevents those insects and pests from latching onto them. The shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil. The anointing of the Holy Ghost breaks the yoke. The anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost makes it impossible for Satan to latch on. So that your portion is not irritation, agitation, and vexation. It's joy overflowing. And when my mind and my head drip with the oil of joy from the Holy Ghost, I'm no longer vexed by the things of Satan. Nothing can get a hold on me. The oil keeps it. Say, the oil keeps me. The Holy Ghost keeps you. It's not a natural thing. It's not, oh, I just got to think on this thing. I'm not going to think about that. I don't want to think about those lusts and things. I got to think on this. It's, I rebuke that foul thought. Never come into my mind again in the name of Jesus. I now mind turn you toward the Word. And you think on that. And the Holy Spirit says, I can work with that. I can dunk that head in the oil and keep anything from latching on to it. Last verse, Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy, look here, not chase you down, follow you. Say this, say, goodness and mercy follows me. All the days of my life. Not just on Sundays. Not just when it feels good. Not just when things are quote-unquote going right. All the days of my life, it's following me. It's following you. What does that mean? That means you're a carrier of the presence of God. You're not trying to get God to do something in you. He's living in you, working something out through you. You carry the life of Christ. You carry the Spirit of God. When you show up, goodness and mercy shows up. How you doing? I'm AJ and the two people behind me is goodness and mercy. And I'm here to help. Goodness and mercy follows you. Jesus made this point in the book of Matthew. He said, when you go into a house and they receive you, leave your peace there on it. You carry the peace of God. You're not trying to get it. You live in it. You distribute it. You disperse it. It's like a perfume, a cologne, a fragrance. It's on you. And when you show up, people can tell. I don't know what it is. I just like being around you. People say that about you. I don't know what it is, but I just like working with you. I don't know what it is. I just like, I mean, hey, you, know, you call up. Hey, is AJ there? I just want to talk to AJ. I like him. And I might not even know the answer. I don't know the answer. Oh, okay, well, you know, I, I just like talking to you. They do that to children of God because what's on the inside of you is what they need. Obadiah says this, that you will be saviors, little s, not Jesus, not in the place of Jesus, but you will be saviors unto the world because you carry salvation. You can tell other people how to get what you got. Yes, 
And in fact, unless you and I do that, they don't know how to make the Lord their shepherd. They don't know how to get in the peaceful pastures we live in. They don't know how to receive the anointing on their minds so they can live free from agitation and the vexation of Satan unless you tell them. Because goodness and mercy is following you. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I finish here, Hebrews eleven thirteen. Speaking of the hall of faith and Hebrews 11, all these mighty men and women that chose to believe God, even before Christ came to the earth, they had a hope that could not be done away with. They had faith in God. And the Bible says this about these saints, these Old Testament saints that refused to doubt. They chose to believe God. Verse 13, these all died in faith. If you're going to die, die in faith. Don't die, don't die doubting. Don't die fearing. There's an there's a old song. It's called Funeral Plans. And I love it. It's a good song. I mean, it makes you want to jump up and run around. When I die, let me die speaking in tongues. I mean, it's good. It's just, it's, you know, those angels carry me over River Jordan. I mean, it makes you, you, what I call the stank face. You go, glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's not just a, oh, ha. It's one of those. Dying faith. Transition. Change addresses in faith from earth to heaven. These died in faith, not having received the promises. Christ hasn't came yet. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them. They embraced them and they confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. I'm just passing through. My home where I'm at right now, it's just a home for a time. It's just a holding place for a moment. I'm passing through. I'm doing some work in this place called earth, but this isn't where I'm staying. I'm moving on through. It's not my time yet. I've got some things to do, but I'm not going to be here forever. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly they seek a homeland. And truly if they have called to mind that country which they had come out of, they would have had the opportunity to return. When you believe on Jesus... The old life, don't ever go back to it. Don't ever fall back into it. Don't let those easily besetting sins be a weight attached to you. When you leave it all for Christ and you set your face on the mission and the call in Calvary's hill, you don't go back. You trudge forward joyfully, victoriously. You put your hands on the gospel plow and you wouldn't take anything for your journey right now. Verse 16, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will abide in the presence of the Lord forever. You notice where we finish up here. We call the Lord our shepherd And living and abiding with Him, He can say, I'm not ashamed that they call me their God. 
because they're sold out. A hundred percent. Committed. They are the sheep of my pasture. They hear my voice. They don't follow any other voice. They follow my voice. They go along the paths, the ruts that I've cut through, the brush and the briar, and they follow me where I lead them. Is the Lord your shepherd? Stand up with me on your feet today as we prepare our hearts to go before the Lord in prayer. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you hear our prayer. You are the prayer answering God. Lord, you are perfect in all your ways. Perfectly protect us. You perfectly provide for us. You perfectly sustain us. You anoint us with your power, your strength, your spirit, God. How we joyfully call you our shepherd, the shepherd of our life the shepherd of our marriages, the shepherd of our children and grandchildren, the shepherd of this church. And yes, Father, we declare by faith the shepherd of the church that is rising up in this nation and that will lead us in paths of righteousness, God. You are our shepherd. And we thank you. You're not ashamed that we call you our God. But you joy in it, even as we joy in you. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. You're my shepherd. You lead me and you guide me. Another voice I'll not follow. Your voice alone. For you lead me in paths of perfection for your name's sake. I fear not. I'm not afraid of anything man can do. For you are my God. I stand victoriously, boldly, full of faith, for you lead me, protect me. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Praise God. Amen. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.